My name is Jillian, and I grew up in Massachusetts. I am from a family of four kids, and I'm the youngest by quite a bit. And um, my dad was a radiologist, and I'd say the town that we grew up in is a small town in Massachusetts, and there was a lot of pressure to um, perform and achieve and succeed. So that's kind of like the background um, to my brother and how he was raised. Um, and so the one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of like when I was an adult, I um, was pregnant with hoping to, for my second child. And I was in the second trimester and I found out that he uh, was lacking parts of his brain and he wasn't going to live. And so I, the ultrasound tech said it, I could tell from her face that she looked worried. And so she went and got the doctor and then they came back and said that. And so it's 100% fatal. It was something obviously I never planned on. I was taking prenatals and um, not drinking coffee, not like drinking alcohol. Yeah, doing everything. Yeah. yeah. And then it was just there was something I couldn't control. And I wanted the doctors to fix it. And of course, they couldn't fix it. So I had the baby in me for about a week, knowing that I was going to terminate the pregnancy. And that was really awful because, I mean, it was so weird because on one level, I felt like a bad mom, even though I was making the right decision for, you know, the most humane decision for him and for myself. But I went ahead and terminated the pregnancy. And um, my brothers, both my brothers called me afterwards to, you know, to console me and say that it was going to be okay and I would have another baby. But something that I know that people who have experienced that type of loss understand is that it's you can't just replace one baby with another it's just yeah so um I did get pregnant the next month or two months later and had a healthy baby and I had to deal with like the anxiety uh and the grief kind of of that at the same time as being pregnant and it was super challenging and I remember when I dealt with the loss thinking well this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen to me um and that turned out not to be true but it did help me learn how to cope with loss and how to just take every day. And I remember my OB called me at the time and he said, you will look at this and you're going to realize like the beauty in the world. Like my wife, his wife had uh, like pretty advanced ovarian cancer. And so he said, you're going to like go out on a walk and look at the birds and appreciate them and just look at the world around you differently. And that was true. That was true. You just, when I was pregnant with my son after that, I was like, how am I going to get through this pregnancy without, you know, freaking out? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know everything's going to be okay. I don't know he's going to be healthy in the end. Anything could happen. And I just thought, well, today I know he's healthy. Right. Like, that's all I can go off of is what I know today. Right. And you can't control anything else, unfortunately, but it would just drive you crazy. Right. And when you say it helped you learn how to cope with loss, how did it do that? Like, do like within yourself, or did you see a therapist? Or um, I saw a therapist; she was helpful. Um, but I also just like looked at quotes online. Oh, I joined a community for online of women who'd lost, uh, terminated their pregnancies for medical reasons. Okay, uh, and I'm still like friends online with them today. That's great. So yeah, it was super supportive, and it was such a unique situation. Mm-hmm. And there's so much like shame and self blame. I feel like in that group, depending on what your baby's diagnosis is like for mine it was 100% fatal so it was almost in a weird way easier because it wasn't like well what quality of life right like a decision exactly yeah it was just but it was 
something I never thought I would ever be a part of. And I remember Justin, my brother, calling, um, and he was five years older, and he called and uh, was just really sweet and comforting me. He was a, he was a doctor, so that helped, you know, just saying it was going to be fine. Yeah. And, um, he was very compassionate like that. So that was my first kind of dealing with grief. Um, so I wanted to go back to talk about Justin and um, what the type of person he was. And I'm just so happy to have this opportunity to talk about him because the anniversary of his death is coming up on December 10th. And it's around that time. Yeah. So I just feel like this is kind of poetic. It's like this is I'm able to give voice to him. And it's a testament to how close we were as siblings that like I feel so driven to honor his life and his legacy. Right. Um, so we were really close growing up. He kind of was my caretaker and I worshiped him. He was like my hero. And I always thought that I was like his sidekick, like in the family. Like I was, it was like Justin and Jillian all the time. And I was just, we'd go to family gatherings and just like sit in the corner and giggle and stuff. And like he, he was, we just knew we were a team, like always. I think we just attached to each other and just like saw each other for who we really are. And he um, just, loved me no matter what like when I had like a crazy eye patch on because like <laughs> the eye doctor made me do that stuff like he loved me through every phase it didn't matter so it was like a unconditional love and I felt that for him also just like it didn't matter I was there for him like no matter what and when I was having a hard time like I was depressed in high school he like called my mom and talked to her about it so I could go see a therapist um and just we would just laugh like I remember I was telling my best friend about how uh we got bored I remember just being really bored in our town and running outside in the rain when it rained and just just for fun you know and just like just being kids so and he was so smart he was so smart he he was like in gifted and did all the advanced classes and all that but um he was also smart in a way that was emotionally intelligent and he would say things like um, you know, doctors don't know nearly as much as they let on. And like, there's so much we don't know. And he just had a way of looking at like society in the world that was interesting. And he, I remember him telling me that if he was a woman, he would get breast implants, you know, <laughs> he was like, why not? Yeah. Like he was just, he was funny. He was um, just brilliant. And he was so hard on himself. He was a perfectionist. And I think that that was like really to his detriment to be so much of a perfectionist and it didn't help to come from this culture of like pressure um, to achieve and go to an Ivy League school and um, just be the best, be the best and he be perfect. Yeah. And, um, you know, he graduated magna cum laude and then went on to medical school and and he told me, and by the way, in all this, he told me, I don't think that I'm that smart at one point. And I was like, that's crazy. I mean, he's so smart. I couldn't do what he did. Like, he's so smart. And the fact that he per didn't perceive himself as that smart uh, it just shows kind of like how off his self-esteem was compared with like his qualities in the mm -hmm. world. So he, um, I remember him, he told me that he was suicidal once in high school, when he was in high school. And he hadn't gotten into Harvard. And so he felt like he had failed, even though he got to, into another Ivy, Ivy League school and went there. Like he didn't get into 
that school. And I, I think he felt so much pressure to, to be perfect and to get into the vet school. And so he was, I guess his, not that his, I don't want to say his priorities were off, but I mean, kind of, you know, yeah. uh, it was just, I felt so sorry for him. I knew that there was part of him that I could never reach. I knew that there was like a melancholy and a sadness that was just away from me and that was his own. And I knew that in order to have like this close relationship with him, I needed to just let him be like, let that be not push him. That's how I felt anyway. Yeah. I didn't want to push him. I just like was like, I knew he had that sadness. He was, he was gay and um, it was like the nineties. And I feel like back then it was not the way it is now in terms of like acceptance yeah, and even just being out there and having like politicians that are gay and just it being more accepted. So I think, and I remember when he was about 10, um, him coming home and falling on the stairs because some kid had used a gay slur on him and like was bullying him. And I remember him crying and crying. And it makes me so sad to think, think about, but it's just my mom comforted him and like, it just sucks that he had to deal with that, you know? Yeah. I don't think that helped. And I know that like suicide rates amongst gay people is much higher. Um, and I'm sure that that's part of why is the homophobia, you know, in our society. So, um, but he came out to me when he was about 19. I think I was 14. And he came out to me first. And uh, I remember him telling me, like, I have someone to tell you. And, and it's a big deal. And so I was, like, thinking, I hope he doesn't have cancer, you know. So, And he was like, I'm gay. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I'm so happy. Like, yeah. I was so afraid he had some terminal illness. And so, and then he was like, yeah, I, my friends at college were like, why haven't you told Jillian? Like, of course she's totally fine. Like, um, and we were so close. And then I remember him, he told my sister and then he told my brother and then he was going to tell my parents and I was the only one at home. So I remember he was like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And he went downstairs to tell them. And, uh, he told them and, um, I think that they were just kind of quiet because I don't think they were expecting it. Um, and I think they told him that they loved him my mom, I believe. I don't know, but I wasn't there. So um, then he came up and got me. We went to like Denny's to like decompress the whole thing and like talk about it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, and so then he was out at that point and uh, dating and everything. He ended up getting in a toxic relationship and um, it was very detrimental to his mental health. And it's a good example of just like ending up in a narcissistic relationship Um yeah. So yeah. that he so that contributed, I'm sure, to his suicide eventually. So um, I knew that he lived. I lived in Florida, and he moved to back to Florida. He had lived there for a little while. Does, did his residency in Miami, and um, he worked there for many years. We saw each other sometimes. I had a baby, and he had a he adopted a son about the same time. And so they were close in age and we were raising them as together as we could kind of, um, he would come up and visit. I was about four hours away. So he'd come up and visit. Um, and particularly towards the end when he was trying to leave his relationship, he would come visit me a lot. And then I would go, he was going through this divorce and I would go try to help him and like in 
support in court and testified on his behalf and stuff like that. So he, the last year or two of his life, he was uh, stressed and his, I think he felt overwhelmed, like everything was kind of falling apart. Like, I think he didn't feel like he was doing a great job as a doctor. I think he didn't feel like he was doing a great job as, you know, in a relationship or as even as even a father. This is just my speculation. Mm-hmm. And so he, I think it was just this overwhelming sense that he was kind of a burden to everyone, which was just his perception. And, and he didn't say, ever say he felt like a burden, but... He, oh, he had had previous attempts. I learned that when we were in one of the court hearings, um, that he'd he'd thrown himself off of a balcony and broken ribs um, onto a glass table, and he'd broken ribs. And that was like probably 10 years before he ended up dying. But it's the key part to the story because that him throwing himself off of things was like a, clearly his method of doing it. And he, the last couple of years I saw him, we were closer because he was relying on me, um, for support and other people too. It, but he was started looking worse. Like he wasn't taking care of himself as much and like kind of aging quickly, which was strange. And, um, he'd always been like really fit and really kind of like, I don't know, like, way neater of a person than I am. Like he was like way more of a neat freak and he ended up getting like really messy and just stuff that was odd. I know he started watching, um, the good, the good place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that show it's with like Kristen Bell. Yes. Yeah. It's a few years mm-hmm. old. Um, but he was watching it and it's about life and death a lot. Right. And he was watching it like marathons of it towards the end. So I'm wondering now, like in retrospect, if he was just preparing himself to die, mm-hmm. you know, cause he was clearly, that was on death was on his mind a lot. And like what happens. Um, and I know that he was on some type of like pills of some sort. I'm not sure what they were. He was acting different. One time I met up with him in Florida at a, uh, for Labor Day weekend. And we went to a hotel in Sarasota with our kids and he, um, started, we were at a toy shop with the boys and he started sweating like profusely and I was like Justin are you okay like why are you sweating it's not you know hot like and he was like oh no I don't feel good I don't feel good and then he just went back to I was like okay well why don't you just go back to the hotel and I'll watch your son like at the toy shop so he went back to the hotel and I remember being afraid that he wasn't going to make it because he seemed off you know Mm -hmm. like I wanted him to make it back to the hotel and so there was some level of concern I guess And it was really hard, I'll say, as like someone he was leaning on to, first of all, to watch kind of like him unravel like he did the last couple of years and also to try to give support and like almost to save someone who who you can't save people, you know, and but I was going to try. And of course, afterwards, you think like, what could I have done differently? Um, And he did try calling me the day that he died and I didn't pick up and I didn't pick up cause I was at work and I had just started back at work like full time a couple months before that. And I was like, no, like I'm at work and like, I'll call him after work, you know? And, and I did, but it was too late. Like, and so I've tried not to beat myself up over not picking up, but it was the last time I could have ever talked to him but of course you don't know that so um let me think so the last 
year of his life when he was unraveling and like he was stressed involved in this messy divorce i think it was just like the layers of of just i don't know dysfunction or stress to like pile on to each other and i know he had mindfulness cards and i tried to, to to get him to watch like youtubers that like are helpful and about like you know just being grounding yourself and all of that and he went to therapy for a little bit but i think he stopped and so i'm going to talk about the night he died because that's kind of like everything after that is like um a lot too so he i got the i was just it was like a normal i thought it was a normal day and he was planning on coming for christmas because he used to come from to my house for christmas every year and it was december 10th and so christmas was a couple weeks away and he um my dad had texted me i think the night before saying can you call justin he's having a bad day so i tried calling him multiple times and i texted him and told him he was welcome to come to my house for the weekend if he wants or i would go to miami if he wanted for the weekend like either is fine didn't get a response back he he um i guess according to my parents they'd flown down to visit him to you know try to help him because they were worried and he was on he was not coherent i believe that day according to them but anyway um Oh, and the other thing too, my electricity in the room that he was going to stay in was out. So I worked at a solar company and there was an electrician on staff. So I asked him to come fix the electricity because my brother was coming for Christmas. And um, his name was Travis. And so he agreed to do that. So I was getting ready for Justin to come. And then I get a call from my oldest brother that night that said, um, it was late at night, so that was kind of odd. Usually he wouldn't call late. And he said, um, I think he said there's been, oh, as was Jillian, I have some really bad news. So I was bracing myself. I thought it was my parents, to be honest. Like, that would make more sense in terms of, like, age. And he said, uh, Justin committed suicide. And then he said, um, Justin committed suicide. And he said, and I just wanted to know more detail. I was thinking in my mind at the time, I was like, okay, well, I hope it just wasn't in front of his son. I hope it, he did it privately. I hope it wasn't like in front of, I hope like nothing was traumatic for my parents finding him or anything like that, you know, because he just wanted them to like minimize the damage. And unfortunately, Alan told me how it happened, which was that he threw himself off of a, his apartment building as a high rise in Miami off of the balcony and like fell to his death while my dad grabbed his ankle and tried to hold on and couldn't hold on. And um, my mom and his son were in the apartment. So he did end up like committing suicide in front of my parents. And um, that was just something that I, and I, I can tell you what my reaction was. I said, I'm sick of this fucking family fucking up my life. And I hung up the phone. And that's because I wanted, I was like, I have this life here in Florida that like I'm working for the solar company and like have my kids and, you know, do pole fitness or whatever and like doing my little thing. And like, then I was like, oh, like this is huge. I knew that this was going to change the trajectory of like everything. So sleep is just the first thing to go when you like have trauma, at least for me. So sleep went immediately. I knew I wasn't going to really be able to sleep. And I went outside my house and I 
I didn't know what to do. I just went, there's like this little triangle in front of my house. I just like kind of walked around it. And it was so weird because I was hit with shock and grief, but I was also hit with this overwhelming sense of like freedom, like freedom from expectations. Like Justin had just done the most antisocial thing that anyone can do, you know, besides like murdering someone, but he'd just done this thing that was like so against how we were raised because it was so like horrible and just sad and um and then I was like oh the pressure is off like like Justin I don't know it's so weird just like no I think it makes sense does I feel it like too because you probably without even knowing it but you probably had this sense of um like you probably felt like you always had to be there to try to like you said like fix him yeah and help him yes so and I don't think that there's I don't think that that's a bad thing or a wrong thing to say that you felt that sense of freedom because I yeah. think in the back of your mind you probably always felt like you have to hold him together in some way or try another. to yeah yeah like I wasn't the only one um trying to do that yeah you know my mom he would talk with, to my mom on the phone every day and it's a lot I think knowing that someone is in a dark place and yeah. that you can't fix it yeah is hard that's and exactly it, it ta- right yeah it, it takes a lot out of you yeah it does. And, and I didn't even realize it because I think it had always been that way. Yeah. So you don't even have really perspective on it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I thought of it just, I loved him so much. So like anything was, felt like a blessing with right. him to me. So it wasn't a burden. Like I just seen him for Thanksgiving. I had just seen him. And right before that, we'd gone to Universal together, uh, which was really fun. And, but also he was off then. I knew he was off when at Universal. And when you say that your parents said he wasn't coherent, yeah. Like, do you think that was because of dr- pills? Like, pills yeah. Or okay. Something, something. And I yeah. don't know specifically what. Okay. But I think he was like, my dad's coping mechanism during that time, like when he died, was to take notes all the time, which is kind of like a journaling. Yeah. But my dad would never call it that in a million mm-hmm. years. But that, I think that was his, it was a healthy coping mechanism, which was to write like, so, you know, like that he was disheveled and then this happened and then this happened and then. You know, just the the days afterward were such a blur of having to kind of keeping everything together and just sort through all of his, I don't know, like his life and kind of close it out in a weird way, like his apartment and just everything. And so, and his son, of course, but like, so they, I feel like they, um, my dad was just writing like everything that had to be done all the time. Um, And so... The night after, oh, and my friends came over. I want to say that too. Um, that night when when he died, I texted two of my friends uh, who live nearby and said, Justin, I just found out Justin committed suicide. And, um, and they were just like, oh my God, oh my God, like, what do you need? And I said, I don't know what I need because I didn't know what I needed. Yeah. And then they just came over, which was so sweet. <laughs> and they took me out and like, I just, my boys were sleeping, so... I didn't want my boys to find out until the next day Um, until I could process it a little bit and how to tell them. Not that that gives me a lot of time to process, but a little bit. And this is the part that I did that like, I'm just like, why did I do this? But I went to work the next day. Like I worked. Now, why did I work? Because like that's, I was like, what a psychopath. Why was I working? And it was because like, I could have gone immediately to Miami, but I didn't because I I just wanted one more day to say goodbye to my life. Like I wanted one day to be like, this is my old life that I'm saying goodbye to and I'm entering into this new one where Justin committed suicide. Like I knew that. 
So that's what I did. But of course, I couldn't make it through the whole day like normal. <laughs> I just experienced something insane. So I was at the solar company and this woman, this one of my coworkers said, are you okay? Like your eyes look red. And I was like, my brother died yesterday and then I cried. And then I got it together again and wasn't crying. And then uh, Travis, the guy who's going to fix the electricity came over and he was like, hey, when do you want me to come this weekend to like work on the electricity? And then I, I go, he's not coming anymore. And I cried and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so like, of course, like it was too much to try, yeah. you know, to work. But um, then I went to Miami and I had to, I had to tell everyone at my job what happened. And I just had, I didn't been there that long. So I didn't feel really comfortable being like, hi, like my brother just committed suicide. <laughs> like, but it is what it is. So I went to Miami and I was just flying back and forth there a lot. I remember seeing, seeing my parents in his apartment for the first time, seeing his partner at the time, because he had a new partner who um, I'm still friends with and I'm going to see next weekend, actually. And uh, just my cousin was there and my aunt had flown down. Uh, and so my we just all hugged and just just in shock and then the next day I think or the day after my um bestie my ride or die bestie who's here um came down and reminded us to eat meals you know hey it's time for lunch everyone come on because we're all in this fog right and also my sister came down and I just remember hugging my sister for the first time and it was just like this fierce hug like it was just like it's us now, you know, I mean, and my other brother, but it's crazy, you know, you just, it's just an intensity. And this remains today with my family where they're, we treat each other now with like an appreciation and a gentleness that was not there before. It's like a delicacy, mm -hmm. you know, we're a lot more delicate with each other than we were before, um, which I guess is like a little bit of a silver lining. Then after he died uh oh it was about to be christmas so we still had to deal with christmas which was two weeks later mm -hmm. and his son too because we knew um we probably wouldn't get to see his son much longer because of his messy divorce situation and how old was his son his son was 11 okay um i went to his 11th birthday but anyway where was i so oh christmas so um i had we're decorating for for Justin to come at my house, but I couldn't, now I can't have Christmas. Am I going to have Christmas just without Justin there? Like, that's crazy. So what, like what to do? My brother and sister were up and back up in Massachusetts at that point where they live. And my parents were in Miami. So I was like not wanting them to spend Christmas alone with Justin's son right after their son had just committed suicide in front of them. Yeah. So I was like, I need to be there for them. Uh, so I, and I was still trying to work and everything. So I went to Cracker Barrel and went and bought like a bunch of gifts from that store and packed them in a suitcase and took them to Miami. And we were staying at like a Marriott there and asked the, asked the staff to put out the Christmas presents for them. So they did that. I have pictures, you know, from that, mm -hmm. that time where they're sitting under the tree at the Marriott, like opening gifts because their uncle had just committed suicide two weeks before. And it was just crazy. And I was telling my friend who's a therapist about it. And she said, you know what? That's one day they'll realize that you still had a Christmas for them. 
which is really sweet because mm-hmm. it's true. Like it was like, how do you still like in a time of crisis like that? Like, how do you keep it together? Right. Like, how do you still celebrate yeah, something? Yeah, anything. And with my parents too, they were there and we all had like Christmas lunch there. It was so surreal. Um, then the next thing after that was planning his service. And so I, I said to the rest of my immediate family, like, I want to plan his service because I feel like this is something I can do for him because I knew he wouldn't want like a Catholic service that we just how we were raised to like, you know, my mom's very Catholic, but, um, so I decided to, we had it at Naples hospital where he worked sometimes. And I decided to have it be like, be about meditation and mindfulness and have like a Tibetan bowl, like, um, there and, play Enya and just um, have everyone that like loved him come. And his his um, pers- person he was divorcing, the man he was divorcing, um, actually cremated him and kept the ashes. So we don't have a grave or his body. And my, my parents like never got his body or anything. And so we did the service um, and we each spoke about him. And actually what I said then is relevant now because what I said then is I'm, this is not my end and I'm not going to you know, hold my head underwater. I'm going to live, but I'm going to live for us. And so that's what I'm doing even by doing this podcast is I'm living for him and me yeah, and giving him a voice where he can't. And after that, we, oh, and something about my friends too, who just, I would not have gotten through all this if not for my friends. And, you know, someone that I didn't even invite, like, not on purpose, but just, like, hadn't mentioned it to her was, like, can I come? Like, I want to come to the service. Like, and she came. She drove there and everything. And it's just, like, people who showed up at that time, like, meant so much. And I wasn't really able to articulate it to them at the time because I was just dealing in shock. But they, it, people who sent notes to me afterwards and said, like, one of his good friends from childhood sent me this note. Anne is her name. And she said, you know, your home was a respite for Justin. Whenever he talked about it, he talked about it so fondly at the end. And I never said anything to her. Like, thank you. I never responded. And like, I'm saying thank you. (laughs) Cause like that meant a lot. And like, but I was just in this weird numb state or maybe I just don't like writing thank you notes to people, (laughs) but that's my excuse. But it was, and did that. And then also um, a couple, like uh, some relatives and friends of his were like, you know, there was not a conversation with him where your name wouldn't come up. Like he just loved you so much. And something else someone said was like, but you guys were so close. Like as if like I would have an explanation for then why he I was like, yeah, we were. I don't know. <laughs> like I didn't throw myself off the building. He did. So he um, it was just nice to know that like that was people understood that and that just that I was a comfort to him at the end, even though I couldn't save him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after the service, um, then I had, to, that's the hard part, I think, in my opinion. Like when, how do you like, after all the hubbub and everything, like planning it is gone and you're just left with your grief and other people kind of kind of move on on some level, like how do you cope? And then COVID happened. So that was December 10th, 2019. And COVID was, you know, like February, March of that year. And it was just like, uh, COVID almost like helped delay my grief because it was like, 
we're in survival mode now. Like, remember, we all thought it was like going to be a plague or something mm-hmm. at first. And I was like, how are my kids going to survive? I like, I started, had them start watching Survivor so they would learn how to make fires mm-hmm. and stuff. Cause I was like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So COVID kind of took over and it was like, I don't know. It was just everything was so immediate. So it was like, I couldn't really process the mm-hmm. Justin situation. And then I started going to therapy and um, that was good. That was really good. That's that's like what started my journey of like healing was like therapy. Oh, pole fitness too. I have to keep saying that because, and I told them by the way that I was going to mention it because like just the getting myself, my body being strong and then being only around women who like support each other no matter what was like just really healthy and good for me. Yeah. Um, and just I had a pole in my house and I like learned how to invert, which is like putting your like body over you. So you're like upside down. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, just stuff like that, like just help. I know it's like little things, but yeah, help. No, that's important. Though. It is important. And going on walks with my kids to the gas station, like by the house, mm-hmm. like that was huge. Um, just like, and just trying to talk to them. And oh, that's another thing. My kids, my kids, like just having to get up every morning and like function and function for them and wanting, wanting their lives to not be like screwed up from trauma. Um, that's huge. And I don't know what state I would be in if I didn't have them. So my other brother, I, okay, so there's four of us. My other brother, he's 10 years older than me. And I get a call from my sister late at night. Once again, it's like a late night phone call. So now I'm really like paranoid about late night phone calls because I'm like, okay, what am I going to find out? And it was my sister telling me that Alan, our brother, uh, was in the emergency room um, and he'd had a brain aneurysm and they didn't know if he was going to make it through the night. And he ended up being in a medical coma I think it was the next morning they put him in medical coma. They had to do surgery on his brain in order to put a stent in his brain. Um, and there he happened to be, he was very lucky. He was at his apartment um, with his girlfriend and he all of a sudden had like the worst headache of his life, according to him. And apparently uh, she was saying, she told me later, she was like, and he was throwing up everywhere. And he goes, well, I was dying. So that's why. Yeah. So, and so she called she didn't know who to call. She said, should I call your parents? Do I call your daughter? Like, who am I supposed to call? And he was like, 911 was what he could say. Mm-hmm. And so she called 911 and he was right by um, UMass Medical Center, which uh, is a really good facility. So that saved his life, I think. Mm-hmm. And he went there. He had the, the happened to be a neurosurgeon on staff that knew how to do that, um, put the stent in and everything. And this is my understanding of it, by the way. So it's not like a medical yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, you know, my dad's a doctor, so he'd probably be like, well, actually, it's this. So right. I don't know. This is just what I know. And uh, I was in Florida, so I flew up the next day. And it was just crazy because it's like, how can we be going through this again is how it felt. Like, here we go again. But now, Alan, like what? Like, and then we I was with my parents going to drive out to the hospital to see him. And my dad had to bring the paperwork for the power of attorney and the healthcare proxy, which may or may not be the same thing. I'm not totally sure. But basically, my brother was signing his rights over his body and his financials over to my dad. Um, and he was on he when I saw him, he was in the neuro ICU and he had tubes like in his like a drain 
um, in his skull to make sure that it, there wasn't too much fluid and like too much pressure, I think. And just watching my dad sign those, you know, or bring them over to Alan to sign and ha- watching Alan sign them was just awful. Cause I was just like, how can this be happening? It was like this shock. And it's like that. And this happened to me with the baby too. When I found out that he had the fatal diagnosis, it was like, it was like you start, at least for me, it's like you start watching a movie of your life. It's like, it doesn't feel like you some, you almost like leave your body a little bit and you're like, oh, I'm just watching this happen to me. It's yeah. like dissociating a little bit as a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. I think. So, and also I just want to say like, I don't understand why Alan was considered like coherent enough to sign that because he was on a bunch of oxy like in the neuro icu he had just had an aneurysm and like he's signing away those papers and i'm like this is weird but anyway uh he my dad made the very smart medical decision for him um where they were deciding i think that night the night of the aneurysm what to do and the surgeon had said well i could go in this way and like there's a very good chance he'll live but um the aneurysm was close to the speech center of his brain, so he'll likely never speak again. And I guess one of his kids or someone in the room or something was like, oh, that might, like, maybe we should do that because, like, obviously they want him to live. And my dad was like, no, we're going to try another way. And that ended up being good because Alan is now fully recovered. Amazing. It is amazing. And I went, during that time, I went to, we all vacation in Cape Cod every year. Like, the family has a reunion there. And I was, I went and got a massage when I was at Cape Cod and the woman said to me, I told her just about the whole thing, Justin and Alan. And she, she said, you know, your brother, Justin won't let anything happen to, to your other brother. Like he's not going to, you know, he's going to be, he's watching over him. He'll be okay. And that was like really reassuring. And I just wonder if that really like kind of yeah. did happen in a way, because not many people recover like he did from that. Right. Like usually there's some type of major impairment or, or they die. And he fought through it. And I remember going to Alan and seeing him, you know, when he's in the neuro ICU with the drain coming out. And he said to me for the first thing he did was apologize. He said, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's okay. You didn't choose this. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't have to apologize. But he was sorry because he knew how much our, our family had just been through and was like, I don't want to be putting everyone through trauma and stress again. That's like, you know, but, and then he looked at the other thing I remember strongly is that he looked at me and he was like, I'm going to make it through this. And like the intensity in his eyes at that time, he was just like, this isn't going to be the end. Like, like I'm going to survive this. And like, I really admire him for that. Cause like, that's really badass that he just like, recovered from a brain aneurysm you know I was thinking I was like he could be a guest on this and be like my one brother committed suicide and then I recovered from brain aneurysm because that's like crazy and like um it's just and he's fine he's he's teaching now he's teaching he has a girlfriend he's got kids he's like totally fine they came and visited me in Florida I introduced her to pole fitness too Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I drag everyone to it um but yeah so I mean that's kind of a beautiful thing and then, oh, actually, when he and his girlfriend came down to visit in Florida, um, I had decided to adopt some kittens. And this is because a friend of mine, uh, I think it was May, like, 2022, 20, I believe, um, 
her daughter who's 13 committed suicide and um i knew that i could be a resource for her because of what i'd been through uh because not very many people are part of this club like and so i was like i was like okay i can turn my pain into like at least being able to help someone going through something that i can't even fathom like i can't fathom that like what she yeah is dealing with and dealt with like it's just insane so uh she said that her daughter who is also like justin by the way like super super smart super smart and artistic and justin was always very artistic growing up uh and then he chose like a career path that didn't necessarily like lend itself to art Mm -hmm. but um and this little girl was also very artistic very smart very sensitive and I think the world was too harsh for her also. I'm not sure. But she had two kittens. And her mom mentioned it to me that she had two kittens that she was looking to adopt out now. And um, I said, I'll take your kittens. So that's how I got um, Oso and Camilo. Yeah. So um, and now my boys have kittens and like my middle son loves them. And like, it's like, at least that's something I would not have gotten the kittens otherwise, you know, it brings joy from yes, a dark sad situation yes yeah one of the cat one of the cats is like really scared of everything so i always think like maybe he has pt i've like so analyzed the cats i'm like maybe he has ptsd from like when she died i don't know but they're sweet and um you know i like that it's two of them just like there was like my brother and this little girl you know and so um so yeah alan recovered from his aneurysm and i have now since then been diagnosed um with therapy and then also just like through my regular doctor with like complex PTSD. So um, like I knew when I found out about Alan's aneurysm, like, okay, sleep went again. Okay, I'm not going to sleep. Like I just know now when like things come up that I'm just not going to, you know, sleeping and eating get kind of fall by the wayside and or I just have to pay a lot of attention to if I've had a meal or not and just try to like have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the basics are like showering and all that, just basic self-care. And so with the complex PTSD, how that's affected me is like I um, I have nightmares, like bad nightmares sometimes. I um, really startle at like loud noises. Like I know most people do, but it's like I get freaked out. And like um, I went to the movies and saw Shazam with my boys mm-hmm. and there was a, in a, there's a scene at the beginning where someone walks off of a roof and commits suicide. And I was triggered for like three days after that. Like oh, I sure. yeah. could not handle it. And I was like, I was like, I realized what was happening. And I like held my boys close to me. Like, like they were going to be affected in the same way. And they're not to me. Who's like, I just, it was like three. I even had to tell my boss at work, like, Hey, like I'm just a little off, like, just so you know. So that type of stuff, like getting triggered like that is just, you never know where it's going to come from. Right. But it's getting better because I'm in therapy and I have a, a therapist that specializes in trauma. So that's been really huge. Like I would just recommend to anyone going through anything close to like what I've been through or dealing with grief or loss of anyone, like just therapy. <laughs> I know it's like so cliche and basic, but it's just it helps, like, right? it's so helps. And it helps with your self-awareness too. Cause the first thing is like recognizing when you're triggered and when like, okay, I'm not myself right now. I'm dysregulated. And like, okay, how do you get regulated again? 
Um, you can, you know, do deep breathing or go on a walk or just there's a variety of things to try to calm yourself or talk to a friend. Um, that's been my other thing is I have a friend that I go every week with to coffee and we've done it for since she was having a bad time with her boyfriend like six years ago or something. Mm-hmm. We've done it every week. And that's like great. she just texted me this morning. She was like, love you. It's going to yeah. go great. Yeah. So um, people like that, things like that, just like you can count on um, no matter what has Absolutely. been huge. Yes. Um, and I think just female friendship, even when I was a child, like I had close female friends and they have gotten me through like so much. It's it's just I can't say enough about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's not enough kind of like out there about how important it is for us to have that. Like a support system. A, yeah, support yeah. system, which I definitely feel like I have now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so um, in terms of my own therapy, one of my therapists like said to me after I dealt with the suicide and the aneurysm was like, you know, art is going to like, he did this analysis of me and like, basically it was like, you're an adventure, which is true. So I'm here. Uh, and, uh, and a helper and an artist. And he said, art will help you through this. And he was right. And so I thought of it as my dancing. Cause I was like, Oh, well I love dancing. So that's my art. But, um, I started working for a photographer as an assistant and I loved it. I just loved it. Like I loved, I was fascinated by like everything he was doing. He did, he was a wedding photographer, uh, in South Tampa. And like, so I was just fascinated by it, but like, I didn't really like him so much. Like he was kind of, he was like really harsh. He wasn't great with like people, but he was very like his, his actual product I admired Mm -hmm. and his job I admired. And then I realized that I was like, Oh, but I don't really like him. He's like, um, kind of, derogatory towards women and like just kind of make gross comments about women and stuff and I was just and and other races and stuff and I was just like ew like I don't really like this person so I was like but wait I was like and he kept telling me he would train me and then he kind of like never prioritized that so I was like wait I'm gonna have to take this into my own hands like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to train myself so I actually hired a um advertising retired advertising photographer to train me so he's trained me and I um just I've done photography. I love it. And I was telling this podcast actually has to do with it because I went to my favorite neighborhood coffee shop (laughs) and I said to the guy, the guy was asking me like, what's up? I was like, I'm going to be on a podcast. And he was like, why? And I was like, so I had to tell him why. Mm -hmm. So the story is like, all this personal stuff about my life. And I always liked this guy who was like the nice coffee shop guy, but he didn't know anything about my personal life. Well, I told him the whole story of my brothers and he was like, oh, well, do you want, you know, to have a show here? Because they have art on their walls there. And I was like, yes. So like in December, they're going to have my work. And the and then I was getting my hair done and I'm friends with my hairdresser. And she goes, what she say? She was like, oh, you should, you should have an opening, like an opening mm-hmm. party. Yeah. And I was like, I should. So the opening party is happening um, on Saturday. That's so exciting. This Saturday. Yeah, my parents are flying down for it. Mm-hmm. And um, my sister's flying down for it. Uh, to support me and I have my friends coming out and everything there's gonna be wine and appetizers and I'm gonna have all my artwork up and then it's so cool Mm -hmm. okay and this is how Jenny comes into it because Jenny was my brother Justin's friend and she would help watch his son while he was working in the hospital because she worked there too and she um, is having a baby and she's naming the baby Justin and her um, her 
baby shower happens to be the day after my opening. So my parents are going to be down here so we can all go. Yeah. Like, isn't that crazy? It's incredible. Like when the universe is like comes together. It all aligns. It's insane. Yeah. And like, that was like, when I realized that, I was just like, oh, I felt like I've been losing for so long. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, like, this is hard. Like, no one told me life was going to be this hard. Like, not that, I mean, life is hard for everyone. But like, I was just like, like, when is this going to end? Well, I think too, when you have a lot of negatives back to back. Yes. When there's finally so many positives that yes. happen back to back, you're like, finally. It's yes. like the light at the end of the tunnel, yes. you know? Um, I do have a question though, yeah. if you're comfortable answering. So your brother's son, yeah. How is how did he do with everything? Um, we unfortunately his, um, I don't know. Okay. Because he the, that was the last that we were able to see him. Um, his current his his other parent has like kind of cut off contact. Wow. So I kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, just based off of like previous yeah. relation their relationship. So I. Like, I remember I was putting all of our contacts into his phone and stuff right before uh, it was like that Christmas I was telling you about and before we said goodbye and it was just, there was nothing, just knowing that it was another loss, I guess, but. And hopefully one day. Yes. I I definitely think that when the time comes, that will come full circle too. I I hope so. I do. I think so. I don't think that that's the end, you know? No. Yeah. And I think, too, a way to look at it and have hope is, like, you were so close with your brother. Yeah. And that is a child that he raised. Yes. Raised, so. Yes. You can only hope and pray that he has some of your brother's yes. traits. My nephew would, yeah. said that, actually. He yeah. said he had, you know, 10, 11 years of Justin. Right. Like, let's not forget that. Right. And that's true. And I think sometimes when you're when you're young and you do have the influence of, you know, only one person or yeah. it can be confusing. So I think that it sometimes it takes until you're a little bit older and wiser and yeah. more life has happened that you start to seek out, you know, family and other people, you know, I, I think right. that, that, yeah, I think that that will happen. I for think sure. it'll happen too, particularly like, um, cause you know, my son is the same age as him and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. And, and that was why part of why I put my kids in therapy. Well, for all of these reasons, but also because they have to be confused. Okay, right. so our uncle and cousin was in our lives and, you know, pretty frequently. And then all of a sudden, And like, I think what? that that's so important because, you know, I, from like me losing a parent at a young age, I feel like if I would have had therapy right after that, yeah. things could have gone differently. And really? I'm like, I'm, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'd like to say I'm fine now, but there's definitely, I definitely think that it's very important to sort through. That's part of why you're doing what you're doing, don't you think? I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. Like, how, okay, think? was it your mom or your dad? My dad. It was your dad. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine what impact that would have. Yeah. How old were you? I was 12, I think. 12, maybe. Yeah. That's so hard. Um, But I think that I never really coped or dealt with it. I think that it happened. I yeah. cried. And then I, I was young. So I think I just kind of like. Well, you don't know. Right. I brushed yeah. on the rug. I moved on. And then my grandfather passed away shortly after. Oh, jeez. You hear it, you deal with it in that moment, and then I think I never really fully dealt with it. And dealt yeah, with it. yeah, and I think that that's just been something that I, a lot of things I do in the ways that I am today. Like I feel like I'm, I can be such a loving person, but then sometimes when it comes to family, I notice that I, not intentionally, but I kind of distance myself, and I think right. it's that fear of like I already know what it feels like to lose 
someone close and I don't right. want to be that close because yes. I don't want to, you know, and I think that's something I've it's realized. It's like an avoidant attachment yeah. style. And I, I've, I've noticed that as I've gotten older, um, it's really interesting to me and it's sad, but, and it's funny because when you said about the late night phone calls, you know, yeah. when I, I don't think that's something that ever goes away, you know, and I think when I get weird phone calls at certain times, when my mom calls me early, Someone unusual. Yeah. early in the morning, yeah. I'm just like, it's, it's it gives you that kind of eerie like is everything okay feeling yeah like, like that tension yeah right? and I think if somebody hasn't really experienced or felt that loss that's not really a thought that would imme- that wouldn't be the first thought which that goes is nice your head. yeah for them yeah but yeah I, I even know it with my parents I can tell with my parents when I call them and like they're not expecting it or right. something that they're just like hi like yeah. is everything okay mm-hmm. you know and it's like I'm I oftentimes I'm like I'm fine everything's fine right you know and I think too when it comes to to grief and and loss and all that stuff it's it does become that kind of not a burden but like you're like again you know what yes. I mean it's it's that is such right. a good description it, of it that's what it starts you're like to oh feel. come on right like you don't even want to hear it it's like yeah. what you don't know can't hurt you so just don't even tell me yeah like, that's just what I think it, it becomes because you you know what that feels like and it's just such a shitty painful thing and it does change your life it, it changes everything it does yes. so and even if yes. your routine doesn't change mentally no. everything changes yes so. yes at least like i was able to upon hearing about justin's death like be like okay everything is going to change now i was just trying to like kind of grasp okay everything is different the but world it seems is like too, you're such a self-aware person that it's like you you really i feel like i don't know how else you could have gone about handling that situation in any other way for yourself and for your children like i think you did all the yeah you took all the steps that you could though i I did you know gosh it was hard it's like now i look back because i'm starting to like i said like i feel like i'm starting to win again you know Mm -hmm. and i look back and i'm like and people say to me like oh what you're doing is like inspiring or i can't even believe it how far you've come in such a short period of time and it's like i can't even look at it like even i can't even kind of look at what i've been through i can't even really look at like the aneurysm on top of the suicide because like i'll get overwhelmed yeah. Like sometimes, you know, when you look at it and you're like, holy shit, it's a like, lot. That's a lot. Right. Whereas like if I just keep going, like you're talking about, yep. just like, don't even think about it. Yeah. Just, just keep going. Yep. And that's, it's I've done easier. The same. It's easier. It is easier, but not probably in the long run. No, probably not. Like, it's not the best thing for you. Both of us you, had but... cried for two months in our beds. Mm-hmm. We would like, exactly. No, exactly. It. Because sometimes too, I notice when I'm crying about something else, I feel like I'm crying about everything yes. at once. You are. Um, yes. But that's what it feels like. But I was going to say too, that I feel like something that you might not even realize is by you sharing this story, not only is it a voice for yourself and your experience and your brother, but also there's so many people that have experienced, you know, suicide from loved ones, whether it was a partner or a child or a parent. And I feel like that, that's something that it's hard to find someone else that can relate to that and feel that. So I think, and I I always say it's amazing. The, one of the things that's so amazing about social media, which I, I'm not a huge fan, surprisingly. I think it's like a love-hate relationship it that is, everyone has with it. It is. Yeah. And, but I think that like imagine like years ago, like back in the day, like when we were all young. I mean, I know I'm, I'm still young, but like yeah. when everybody was younger and dealing with things, like how kids can have this now, like these platforms where if you yes. look something up, yes. you can actually sit and listen to someone else's experience. Ex- like, I feel like that wasn't really, I mean, I remember, Available. yeah, yes. it wasn't. And I, I remember wasn't. too, like when I was young and de- I mean, this is small, but like dealing with breakups and I was Googling things, oh, right. yeah. but it's like you, Google is just, it's all over the place, right. but to be able to have this kind of show to look through and see like, wow, that's somebody that I experienced like that, like yes. they can relate. And it's like almost 
talking to a friend or hearing Uh somebody else that's been through something similar. So that's something too that I always tell my guests that come on. I'm like, when you're sharing these stories, there are definitely people out there. And I've I've realized even more so recently, um, so many people will tell me that they relate with so many of the stories, even if it isn't the exact same thing. Right. But it's like something that you've felt, yeah. they might have felt, even if it's a completely different circumstance. Right. So I, I just think that that can really help people not feel alone. Yes. Um, and it's right. You know, I, I think that there's times too that if you're just, there could be people just listening and then they could hear your story and be like, wow, like I get that. I felt yeah. that. You know what I mean? It feels good not to feel alone. And I think we live in a world where it's very easy to feel like you're the only one. Like feeling isolated. A, yeah, feeling yeah. a certain way. But in reality, I think we all feel shitty one yes. way or another we at all some feel point like yeah we all feel like shame we all feel like pain yeah. and loneliness beat and ourselves up beat all our, of it. yes yeah. like i'm not good enough or whatever mm-hmm. it is and i certainly had an like throughout the last four years i moments of like despair and moments of like worthlessness and like what yeah. is the point of anything type stuff right but i was just able to get out of it like i'd say the main thing is just like to keep going mm-hmm. <laughs> just keep going yeah like you just keep going and like when I wouldn't feel like it, I would still do the things like eat healthy. Like I've actually, oh, that's things another. things you can control. The things you can yeah. control, yeah. And like exercise or go on a walk or whatever it is. Like, or um, just the things that even if you don't feel like doing them, if you know that like, okay, if I do these things, I'll probably feel better. It, and it, it is true. Like <laughs> it, it is sounds true. funny, but like half the time I don't want to do the good things right. and I do them Me and too. I'm like, all right, I feel accomplished. Yes. You know what I mean? But no, that's important. It's Particularly really like important. exercise. Like, yep. you know, just physiologically, it's really good for yeah. you. Yeah. And, and I want to say too, just kind of going back, because I know that you had said if, you know, when he, your brother had called you the day that he yes. committed suicide. Yes. And I, I just want to say that, because I know that that, I feel like as humans, that's something we do is we look at what can we, what, uh, could, what we, we could have done. done. Yeah. And we beat ourselves up. But yes. I feel like too, you guys obviously had a very close relationship. And I think that what he chose to do, you can't take it personally or put it on your plate. No, it was about him. It was. And I think that he was just probably, he was dealing with his own battles. You know what I mean? Yeah, obviously. And I feel like too, it's so easy for us to beat ourselves up, but he loved you so much. I know. You know, (laughs) and you guys, no matter what he was going through, you know, you got don't ever forget the relationship you guys had like don't let anything diminish it yes no I, I, like and it, it, it's a horrible tragedy yeah you know and uh, it's it's heartbreaking but that doesn't change anything else right you everything know? that came it before right. or who he was or even after because now yeah. it's like you i feel like you're shedding this beautiful light in his memory and on his name and that's all you can do and it's like mm-hmm. that was only that was just one dark part of his story. That's true. You know, that you really I mean? get it because yeah. it was just and like it's easy, I think, for for everyone who knew him to focus on the tragedy aspect right. of or like he did that. And now he's just gone. But yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. No, you're 100 yeah. percent right. Yeah. And it's like that's what the more that I focus on when and my mom has said this, too, like when he was alive and just the good parts about like him being alive and being with him and what that was like. Like, that's better for all of us, I feel like. But it's hard to do. Well, also, look at what it's done now for your family. Like, I feel like it's it's allowed you guys to learn to be more gentle with one that's another true. and be closer. And and then even with, was it your friend that you said her daughter committed mm-hmm. suicide? Yeah, like, it, it allowed you to be able to relate to someone else. Yes. And to help and bring light into that situation. And, yes. and then adopt these kittens. And it's, like, it's small things, but 
I feel like it really does all tie together. Yes. She wants to listen to this, by the way. Oh, good. Yes. Really? Yeah. She's planning on yeah. listening to it. That's so, great. um, yeah, that's, and then that's the, oh, I was going to tell you about this dream too I had, um, recently. And it was about, I was, and I know people talk about their dreams as boring, but this is actually relevant because I was, uh, with my parents in the dream and Justin and it, I was, at a museum, which is something they used to drag us to all the time mm-hmm. growing up. And uh, he and I were talking, just a normal conversation we would have just about like how some of aspects of religion can be absurd. That's what we were talking about, which is something <laughs> we totally would have talked about. And I had a camera around my neck and uh, he was he was healthy and he was good. And we were just, and I was like, look, mom, Justin's here. He's here. Like, can't you see that he's here? And like, um, and so like, I woke up and like I knew that he was like here if that makes any sense yeah. and like I told my friend the therapist about this also and she said um that's that's like the way of like the universe telling you that like Justin approves of what you're doing and like he is proud of you yeah it's gonna make me cry again but that's like no it's true though and yeah. I think too like when we have dreams about people that we've lost it almost allows it gives us the sense of like they're still there. It's yes. almost like a comfort. Yes, feeling. I felt good. Mm-hmm. Can, like I've had dreams with him, and and they don't feel good. Yeah, it might feel like weird yes, or negative but or like, sad yeah. or something. But the, those kind of dreams, I think it is a it's a sign in a way. Yeah. And it, it, even if people don't think it is, who gives a shit? Because you can take it. Yeah, exactly. And like, if it makes them. you feel good and better about it, then that's all that matters. Yes, and and it does. And it's like um, it's like I'm can do, and this is what I posted recently about my show. But like I can do with my photography and like I can live with like an art form in a way that he was never able to and so it makes it like like I'm doing it for both of us almost and and it just feels just really beautiful yeah and I think too carrying someone's memory yeah is constantly keeping them like a a very positive memory of them yeah and I think you did such a great job of explaining and describing who he was and I think too everybody faces demons in life yes and hardship and obstacles i think like we were kind of saying before it's just unfortunately some people can get through it and some people can't yeah and i think that when you just beat yourself up so much it can just feel easier just be like i don't want to do it anymore yeah like it's this is too painful yeah and i think a lot of people don't understand that but i think a lot of people also do yeah um and i think you don't have to be hating life or suicidal to know that life can be shit and yeah hard. for everyone yeah. i mean everyone's gonna There's have their challenges gonna be something yes yes and that's what my therapist said to me she goes i hate to break it to you jillian but you're always gonna have problems no always There's like, always you always have problems it's yeah always something but it's just getting through it and i and like you said i think it's amazing you know you have these beautiful children to yes. live for and you know and his memory and it's like it's just it's a constant constant reminder i feel like of why you should keep going yes. and bring positivity to the situation. Yeah, sure. and, and I wanted to say too, like about suicide specifically, like something that um, my friend who lost her daughter and I have talked about is like the stigma associated with it and how much we hate that stigma and how there's so much judgment for someone who's committed suicide oh, yeah. and how that's not helping anyone. No, and I think too, it's not something, like I said, whether you understand it or not, it happened, that person was suffering. yes. That and was I don't their think pain. it's right. And I don't think it's meant to be understood. No. Like at all. And I, I we believe it or not, like there is a lot of good in the world, but we live in a very evil world. Yes. So it's like I can't even I mean, right. I don't think you're we're not supposed to understand how someone 
could take their own life. But we're also not supposed to judge it, like you said. Right. Yes, because I haven't been in that level of pain. Right. So why do I claim to understand what he was going through? And obviously... And you don't know. No one knows. No. Yeah. No, no one knows. No one knows. And so... And I think it's just people try to seek answers or it makes it easier to deal with like, oh, well, they were just doing a bad thing or they're going to burn in hell or whatever. Well, something that I hate... Well, I don't don't like the word hate. But something that I highly dislike is when people say that suicide is selfish... Like, I don't think that they're really... Yeah, they do say that. Yeah, and I, I don't think people are really thinking about... I think it's selfish to make that comment. Right. Because, because it, what you don't know what someone was going through. No. And while, yes, it hurts everyone around them, they were hurting too. A lot. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I don't think there are enough resources. And an, I don't think there is any solution or fix. I mean, therapy is great. Right. It can help a lot of people. But even there's people that might try every solution and still just be so miserable yeah, and decide to do something like that. And that's why I think that with Justin, I'm like, I've come to the point where I'm like, maybe he just wasn't meant to be here like any longer than he was. Mm -hmm. Like, because if he was meant to be here, he would be and he's not. I think too, in a way, like I kind of mentioned before, unfortunately, I think when, when people do take their own lives, it almost does, what it should do is instead of, taking in any negativity from it and saying yeah. it was selfish or this, or why did they do it? Or I can't understand. Or being angry. Right. I think more so you can, it should show people why, like how crucial it is that we need to be more gentle with one another yes. and that we need to live in a world that has more sensitivity and positivity. And Less where, judgment. Yes. Where everybody just is nice. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I think that that's what it should teach. Yeah. It should show that we live in such a like fucking this world where everybody's critiquing you constantly right. that it's just like, let's just live. You yeah. Know? And telling you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what it should do. And it's, it's sad and it, but it can also, it can, there's a lot of positive that can come from it. Yes. I think it can teach a lot of people to just be kinder and more gentle. Yes. And that's what I hope to do yeah. um, with this. And I mean, who knows what I would love to after this, like and doing the photography and um, like speak on mental health places. Mm-hmm. And I would love to do that. And um, also, I was wondering if I could plug my website. Yes, of course. And I will, um, after this, send me an email or text or whatever with any links that you want. Okay. Because I can link it all. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, say what it is anyway. I don't want to clap and have the dog come back. No, (laughs) I don't get too happy. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's it's JillianPhotography.com. And Jillian is spelled G-I-L-L-I-A-N Photography.com. So you're doing photography on your own now, right? I'm doing it on my own. I also do it on the beach. at a resort. Okay. And so it's really, that's so good for my mental health because it's, first of all, it's everyone's like in good moods. It's like families and yeah. couples on vacation. Mm-hmm. And then I'm out watching the sunset. It's like sunset photos, yeah. like a few days a week. And it's like, oh. <laughs> so I'm out watching, um, like it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I'm just enjoying that because I get happy people and yeah. to be out in the sunset and just like have your feet in the sand and all of that is like been amazing. So yes. that plus like the artistic side of, photography like I'm going to be selling all my own photos and everything on Saturday yeah it's really exciting um that's great it's just like I finally feel like you know when you want to know like what you've done like what your thing is that you want to do in your Mm -hmm. life and and what your passion is and it's like I'm just living my passion right now Mm -hmm. and it just feels just aligned 
That's amazing. Yeah. You crushed it. You did such Thanks. a great job. You should be so proud of yourself. Really? Yes, oh, thank your brother you. would be so proud of you. Seriously. Oh, that makes me feel so good. No, really, he would be. You I feel like he's going to be with me at the photography exhibit. Too. He's with you all the time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Of course. I'm yeah. serious. But no, great job. Thank, thank you for you. wanting to come on and share your story. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm like, so this has been amazing.